to Colossians chapter 1. This is a part two of three parts in this crescendo of Paul establishing the authority of the sovereign Son of God. So we looked briefly at a lot of names last week. We will narrow down to a primarily one name this week. Um, let's read these verses in Colossians first before we begin our, our study today. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Heavenly Father, as we look to your Son again, um, and we just take a small portion of a description of and uh, speaking to us of the authority of your Son, help us to understand what it means to fix our eyes on him. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have this... We looked briefly at a couple of books in the Old Testament last week, and we looked at some of the names of God, beginning with Elohim, Creative One, Mighty One, to Yahweh, the personally covenant-pursuing God with individuals, to Adonai, the authority, the sovereign one, the ruler of all, to El Shaddai, the God Almighty, Almighty, and we looked at Hayah, which we're going to look at today, which is I am. I am self-existing. I am complete. I am divine. I am. Um, and we, we took from the Old Testament this book that Moses picks up his pen or his quill in 1445 B.C. And Malachi puts his quill down a thousand years later that we have this 39-book Old Testament written over a period of a thousand years. We're looking into the New Testament today, and we have in the New Testament 27 books that are written over a period of 36 years. In 18 years, every book was written in the New Testament except for what John was going to write. So John is unique. When we studied Ephesians, we looked at the Greek word mysterion, which is mystery, in English, which is everything of God, the wisdom of God, the plan of God, and the will of God that he would reveal to men hidden in God. But when we see Mysterion, it is a prophet who is releasing some of that information. And invariably, that's the Apostle Paul. Um, when we look today at this I am statement of God, it is invariably in the Bible the Apostle John that has written this down. Um, this first cousin of Jesus, his mother being the sister of Jesus' mother Mary, um, probably knew him as, as a boy, probably in Luke chapter 2 would have traveled in a caravan that Jesus was in when he gets left behind at the temple. But certainly John is called from the beginning of Jesus' ministry to be a disciple who one day would be an apostle. And John would have had a difficult life. This close friend of Jesus is the only apostle at the cross watching the last breath of his cousin, now Lord Jesus Christ. And it wouldn't have been long after that that he would have seen a young man who he appointed martyred named Stephen. John would have had a lot of scars and a lot of difficult things to go through. Um, in 44 A.D. in Acts chapter 12, he would have seen his own brother put to death with a sword by Herod. He would have seen Jesus' oldest sibling, James, martyred in 61 A.D. And then John would have seen Peter and Paul martyred in 67 A.D. 
And it's difficult for us to realize, but it would be 18 years after that, after the last writing of Paul, the last writing of Peter, and the last writing of Jude, that John would be a, a shepherd, an elder, a pastor in Ephesus along with Timothy. And it's from Ephesus where John would sit down and put his pen to paper and write the Gospel of John. So as we have John take us in the significance of this name, we have the Gospel of John begin with the same three words that the Bible begins with, in the beginning. So in Genesis 1, we have in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless, it was empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. Three notations of chaos. Something has gone wrong. There's no darkness from God. There's nothing empty from God. And the Spirit of God is now hovering over the waters, and God is now about to recreate. And the first words that come out of this Son of God is, let there be light. So, God said, let there be light, and there was light. So when we come into the Gospel of John, he takes us to that moment in the creation. And he begins, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, Genesis 1-3, and the darkness has not overcome it. So John begins his gospel by explaining that in the beginning, the light that shone and eliminated the darkness from creation was a metaphor for the grace and the truth that the, would come through the one who said, let there be light. So when John takes us in the beginning in John 1, he's taking us to Genesis 1. If you turn in your Bibles to 1 John 1, as he takes us back to the beginning of the ministry of Jesus Christ. So John 1 takes us to Genesis 1 John 1 takes us to John 1 in the beginning and this individual creator, savior, God. So he writes, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. So you have this in your notes, Genesis 1-1, this Elohim Aleph-Tav, this mighty, creative Son of God. You have in John 1, the Word of God, the Logos, the Messenger and the Message. And here you have the Word of Life in 1 John chapter 1, verse 2. The life appeared, this life that is the light of all mankind in John chapter 1, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. So we see this word of life um, in 1 John, as we go forward a little bit to Revelation. So John is probably already on the island of Patmos when he is writing 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, writing the Gospel of John from Ephesus. And he is still on Patmos around 95 AD. The last of the apostles to still be alive, and it's been that way for a long time. And he writes Revelation. So we have in our notes, Jesus is the revealer. The revelation from Jesus Christ. That's what this letter is. Which God gave him to show his, his servants what must soon take place. 
he made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. They are the same thing. Blessed, this is the first of seven Beatitudes in Revelation, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the end is near. Um, turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3. You have there in your notes Revelation 22, verses 20 and 21. We won't probably get to look at everything today, but Jesus' last words in the Bible are, I am coming soon. That's what he wants us to live with each day. His first words were, let there be light. His last words, I am coming soon. So we have in this Hebrew written by Moses, Pentateuch, these first five books, we have the first encounter one-on-one, um, -on -one, face to face, in a sense, of Moses and Almighty Son of God. Um, and Moses is getting his marching orders in this encounter. This is like the call of Moses. And as we read in verse 6, we've looked at these verses before, so we're just going to look at this verse. Then he said, I am the God of your father the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. So we see earlier in this chapter that the angel of the Lord went into the flames, and then it says God spoke from within the flames, explaining to us that the angel of the Lord is a pre-incarnate manifestation of Christ in the flames. And he is saying, I am the the God who is the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And this will be used as a pillar, as we'll see later in the Gospel of Matthew. And then as we drop down to verse 13, Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is your name? Or what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So God's introduction to Moses is, I am the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God's first statement to Israel is, I am who I am. So in the Hebrew, this is hayah, this is self-existing, complete, divine, deified God. This is, I need nothing, I have everything, I am complete, I am the one. So in the third century before Christ, when the, these words were translated into the Septuagint, the Bible would now be read from third century BC all the way to today, in Greek throughout the world, and translations have come from that, to the extent where in the Gospel of Luke, he only quotes the Old Testament from the Septuagint, from the Greek account of the Old Testament. So in the third century BC, Hayah, I am, translated into English from the Hebrew Hayah, would have read in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation as Ego Amin, so ego is simply I, so sometimes it says a me, or it says ego a me, either I am or am. So the, the focus in hayah is the am part, not the I part. And the focus in I am is the am part, which is amin. And it is the same definition as we read there, as we turn back to Matthew in a New Testament. So invariably, when you see I am, or in the Greek, ego amin, or I'm saying that wrong, ego emi, um, when you're saying that and reading that in the Bible, it is almost invariably John. So there are key instances in Matthew, Mark, and Luke 
who use that term rarely, John is the one writing many years later explaining to us who Jesus is, but in Matthew chapter 22, we have help from Jesus here making clear to us that Hayah and Ego Emi are the same. It is the same name. And we learn that from Matthew 22 and verse 32. We'll pick it up in verse 31. And this is Jesus arguing with the Sadducees who believe that once you're dead, you're dead. There's nothing that you just go back to being dirt. Jesus says, but about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what God said to you? And it's here in the Greek, ego eimi, which is Jesus telling us that it's the exact same as hayah in the Hebrew by quoting that verse, verse 14 of Exodus 3. So I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. So the Sadducees don't even believe that that's Jesus. Jesus is explaining that it was Jesus speaking to him because it was the angel of the Lord, God, speaking from the bush, and he's telling the Sadducees here, you don't understand the resurrection because if he said to, Ab or to Moses, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who have been dead for hundreds of years, then their spirits are all alive. And the one who is their God is ego emi. I am. I'm the one. So the term emi is the focus whenever we see it in the New Testament. It's almost always written by John. And it does two things. It is hayah. It is I am that one. I am the self-existing, complete, almighty deity of God. And... The, the title is used to tell us aspects of who he is. Not characteristics, but who he actually is. So when we see ego ami and then it says what he is, it helps us understand who he is. So turn now to John as we work through John chapter 4 to understand what John is trying to teach us. So as I've said before, 92% of the Gospel of John is new material to all of Matthew, all of Mark, and all of Luke. Not new experiences, they would have been there. Matthew would have been there with John when Jesus was saying these things, but John has been alive for a lot longer. He experiences the full born-again life of the Apostle Paul and his teachings. He went from Jerusalem, like Paul, to Ephesus, and he carried on the ministry that Paul started in Ephesus for years afterwards, until 89 AD, 22 years after Paul was dead, is when John was finally arrested by Domitian and put on the island of Patmos. So John would have spent decades at, of the end of his life in all of the places that Paul was, and he writes a theological gospel to explain to us. So he says in John chapter 20, verses 31 and 32, he says, like no one else does, he says, here's why I wrote this. He says, Jesus did many other miraculous signs which are not recorded in this book. Some of them are in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But these are written that you might believe that he is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you will have life in his name. So John is saying this is a very intentional gospel. This is so that you know that what he did, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John, why he did it, who he is, what he is, and what he demands. So in John chapter 4, when we see most of these, they are apologetic situations. He starts with a Samaritan woman when we first see this title. We'll pick it up in verse 22 when he is speaking to the woman at the well who is a Samaritan, an outcast, a self-professed sinner. 
He said, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. That would have stung to her because Jews hate Samaritans. Yet a time is coming and has now come, he tells her, when true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, a me. So here three words come from one word. He says, I am. She would have known Moses. She would have known as a Samaritan when God introduced himself to Moses and when Moses went into Israel because that's where her, or Egypt, that's where her descendants come from. They were split apart in Israel because of sin, but he says to her, a me. That's all he had to say to her. The conversation was over. She went and told everyone that she knew, everywhere that she knew them, the people that looked down on her, the people that sneered at her, the people that pointed fingers at her, she said, Amy is here. The Messiah has come. And it would say later in the, this chapter 4 of the Gospel of John that many people came because of what she said, but they believed because of who he was when they met him. Amy introduces himself in the Gospel of John to a Samaritan woman. Turn to John chapter 6, where he is debating with crowds, many who want to follow him and many who don't, and he is explaining to them who he is. Um, we're going to pick it up in verse 16. What has happened is he has fed the 5,000. He tells the disciples, go across the lake, he goes up on top of a, a mountain and it's watching through the dark, three and a half miles away. He sees them struggling. He sees trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean out on your own understanding has left them all because he told them they were going to the other side and they now believe they're going to drown in the middle. And so he starts walking and Mark tells us that he's actually walking by them, which is another picture of Moses and Moses seeing pre-incarnate Christ. Verse 16, when evening came, his disciples went down to a lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake of Capernaum, to, for Capernaum, I'm sorry. By now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew tough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, right halfway through Lake Tiberias or the Sea of Galilee, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. But he said to them, Ego a me. It is I. Don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. So the first time his disciples are addressed as Ego ami, they would have known that this is haya, this is rare. This is what he said to Moses when he said, what if the Israelites ask who I am? So he walks on the water and he comes to them and he says, haya, ego ami. He puts his foot in the boat and the other four miles are instantly crossed and they get out of the boat. And they're learning who this is. He comes back and the crowds are following him and he's trying to help them understand. Verse 33, For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Jesus declared, Amy. In other words, I am. 
I'm the self-existing. I'm the source of life. I'm the bread of life. I'm the provision of life. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. Drop down to verse 40. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. The guarantee of the resurrection, just like with the Sadducees. Verse 41. At this the Jews there began grumbling about him because he said, A me, I am the bread that came down from heaven. So he has already explained in his ministry that it's not the bread that came down as manna that you need. Man cannot live by that bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. I am the mouth of the Lord. I am the Logos. I am Ami. I am Haya. I am the one who came to Israel. I am the bread of life. I am the sustenance of eternal life. Drop down to verse 47. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. Ego eimi. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which everyone, anyone may eat and not die. Ego eimi. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, and I will give that which I will give for the life of the world. He goes on to explain in this chapter that it is the spirit and it is not the flesh that I am talking about. He the the crowd is upset with him. The Israelites are upset with him um, because he's saying, I'm the one. I came down from heaven. And they're struggling with this, saying, no, you're not. You're Joseph and Mary's son. You're a child born out of wedlock. You're a... And they would fill in the blank. And Jesus is saying, no, I am ego ami." I am the one who talked to Moses. I am the bread of life. Everyone who follows me will never die. And I will raise them in the end. I promise that the resurrection will come to them through me. Turn to chapter 7. This is another dark chapter in Jesus' life. John is explaining things that Matthew, Mark, and Luke didn't explain. So at the opening of this chapter, Jesus is being hunted by now. They are looking for him to kill him by now. And Jerusalem is the worst place that he can go. So his brothers say, why don't you go to Jerusalem? That's where you can have your audience. They're literally wanting him to die. And Jesus is waiting until the Feast of the Tabernacles so that he can make this statement in Jerusalem. And we pick the statement up in verse 27. But we know where this man is from. They're arguing just like in John chapter 6. When the Messiah comes, no one will know where he is from. Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, Yes, you know me, and you know where... Ego ami is from. Where I am is from. In other words, heaven, from God the Father. I am, the, I am not here on my own authority, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him because a me is from him and he sent me. At this they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Um, Drop down to verse 33. Jesus still speaking with them. Jesus said, A me, I am 
with you only a short t- only a short time and then I am going to the one who sent me you will look for me but you will not find me and where ego and me you cannot come so he is not just having a conversation he is speaking with Jews who know who spoke to Moses who spoke to Moses Jewish person the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So he's not just saying, as a matter of fact, I am. He's saying, as a matter of fact, ego a me. I'm him. I'm the one from the bush. I'm the one in the cloud. I'm the one in the fire. I'm the one who spoke to Abraham. Ego a me. I am. John is making these points to us so that we can understand. Reading on verse 35, the Jews said to one another, where does this man intend to go that we cannot find him? Will he go where our people live scattered among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What did he mean when he said, you will look for me, but you will not find me? And they repeat what he said. And where ego eimi goes, you cannot come. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let everyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, John explains to us, he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. In chapter 8, two of the hottest debate chapters in John are chapter 5 and chapter 8, and Jesus is in a place where they want to kill him. He is speaking to the religious people who want nothing from him, nothing to do with him. And he opens this context in verse 12. John starts here by the direction of God, but right in the middle of the the heat of this argument. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, and it's ego eimi, the light of the world. In other words, the one who gives light, the light bringer, the bread of life, the sustainer of salvation, the eternal one. I am the light. Ego eimi. So the one in the bush is the light of the world. John 1, he brings the light and life to all mankind. The Pharisees, verse 13, challenged him, Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I come from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from and where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do, if I do judge, my decisions are true because Ami is not alone. I'm the Son, I'm with the Father, I am Yahweh, I am Hayah, I am the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. And then he says, Ego Ami is the one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. And he is declaring there that Ego Ami is equal to God the Father, which they don't believe either. And he is explaining to them, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Drop down to verse 21. Once more Jesus said to them, I am going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where, did I read that right? I am going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. And the people he's speaking to here will never be in heaven. Verse 22, this made the Jews ask, will, you, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below. And then he says again, ego eimi is from above. 
you are of this world. Ego eimi is not of this world. He's telling them what he would tell Pilate. Verse 24, I told you that you would die for your sins. If you do not believe that ego eimi is he, you will indeed die for your sins. Who are you? They asked. Just what I have been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy, and what I have heard from him I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that ego eimi, that he and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. This working perfect unity with the Father, the one who sent me is with you. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Drop down to verse 56 of John 8. where they're going to attempt to kill him again because he takes them back to Exodus chapter 3 one more time. Verse 56, Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, they said, and you have seen Abraham again doubting in the resurrection. Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, Before Abraham was born... Amy. So a very direct statement there. He is saying to them as clearly and as simply as he can, I'm the eternal God, the self-existing God, the one in the bush. Long before there was an Abraham, I am. Amy. I'm the one. So to the Jews reading this passage, they would have understood it much more clearly than we do as we first go through it. So verse 58, very truly I tell you, Jesus answered before Abraham was, ego eimi. At this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. The gospel always brings reaction, either repentance or fury or anger. In chapter 9, um, Jesus becomes the I am healer um, as he presents himself. Verse 1, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So that was an understanding of the disciples. That was an understanding of the Jews. If you had an imperfection in your body, you must have sinned or your parents must have sinned. It was a false teaching going on at that time. And Jesus tells them not only was neither of them guilty of this, but he allowed this man to be blind so that the glory of God could be demonstrated. So verse 3, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. I must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. And then he says like he did to Moses. While ego ami is in the world, ego ami is the light of the world. So again, he is speaking their language. He is taking them to Moses. And he's saying the one who spoke to Moses is speaking to you. Ego ami, and they would have understood that. In fact, these Jews would have been more familiar with Greek than they would have been with Hebrew, so ego ami would have been more familiar to them than hayah from the Hebrew scriptures. Turn to chapter 10, where Jesus gives us multiple I am's. Again, it is either used as a name of God or pointing to an attribute of God. And we see attributes being used in John chapter 10. We pick it up in um, verse 1. Actually, let's, in the interest of time, we'll pick it up in verse 6. 
Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. So he's explaining to them this relationship between a true shepherd and true sheep, and they didn't understand it. So he's, he's in a sense, in verse 7, saying, let me make it clear. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, ego and me is the gate for the sheep. So he's using metaphors and parables. And remember, Mark explains to us, or Jesus in Mark explains that if you're against me, I will tell stories you cannot understand. If you are open to following me, I will explain for you how to follow me. So the Pharisees who are against him saying, what's he talking about? And he says to them, ego a me is the gate for the sheep. Now they know they're in Isaiah 53. Now they're, they're knowing that this is the shepherd that Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah wrote about. So he says, very truly, I tell you, ego a me is the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, including the people he's talking to here. But the sheep have not listened to them. Ego a me is the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief, and this points to Satan and his followers, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Ego a me, the good shepherd. I'm introducing myself to you as Almighty God, ego a me. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. And that's, this is metaphor preaching here for religious leaders. But in verse 14, ego a me is the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Drop down to verse 31. Again, the Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? We are not stoning you for any good work, they replied but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I have said you are gods? If he called them gods, to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be set aside, what about the one the Father has set apart? as his very own, and sent him into the world. Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy? I said, ego a me, God's son. So they understand by this time approaching the cross that he is saying, I'm the son of God. I'm the one written about in all of the Old Testament. I'm the one who spoke to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Moses, to all of those people, and I am God's Son, um, which is the Messiah in the Hebrew Scriptures. In chapter 11, John, many years, half a century after this took place, more than half a century, John admits to us that Martha knew more about Christ than he did in some ways. In verse 21, Chapter 11, Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. She not only believes that he has the power to resurrect, that he is the resurrector, but that he could say to Lazarus, come back. So four days after Lazarus is dead, she believes that he could still bring Lazarus back. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. John 6, 37. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, Ego a me, the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? 
Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of, the God, Son of God, who has come into the world. So this is a contrast to everyone so far. He says to Martha, Ego eimi. She says, I know. I know you are. John says in, as we started in chapter 20, that the purpose of this book is that you would know that he's the Messiah, the son of the living God, and that by believing you have life in his name, Martha says, I'm in. I know that. It's true. I was talking to you about the fact that I miss my brother. I wish he was still here. I wish I didn't have to wait to see him at the resurrection. And Jesus says, for her benefit and everyone there, I'm the resurrection and the life. Ego eimi is the resurrection and the life. In John chapter 12, this is where he effectively says to us, I am your Lord, where Paul says we must confess him as. So in verse 23, Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man, that, that authoritative Daniel 7.13 title, um, he is claiming to be that one now, to be glorified. Verse 24, very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where ego a me, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. So Paul says, he must be your Lord. Jesus says, I must be your Lord. And if I am your Lord and you serve me, my father will bless you. Ego a me is I am your Lord or I am not with you. Um, in chapter 13 in the upper room, which we will be referring to shortly, we pick it up in verse 13. He is speaking to his disciples, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what ego eimi. That's who I am. That's who Jesus is. He is capital T, I am teacher. He is capital L, I am Lord. I'm your master, I'm your teacher, I'm the truth bearer. Verse 14, for that I, your Lord, the teacher, have washed your, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Drop down to verse 19. I am telling you now before it happens, talking about what's going to happen to him, before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that ego eimi, who? Ego eimi. So here in his disciples in the upper room, he says to them what God said to Moses precisely. When Moses needs one more thing, to go, he says, who do I say that you are? I am who I am. The disciples need one more message in the upper room. What should we do? What should we say? And Jesus says to them, I am who I am. And that would have struck a chord with these men who were very familiar with the writings of Moses. Very truly, I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. So he's explaining, I'm the one from the burning bush, I'm the one who sent Moses, I'm the reason there isn't Israel, and I'm the one who is sending you. Verse 31, when he was gone, Jesus said, meaning Judas is now gone, now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, and here this is a little tricky in English because I there isn't ego, it's a me. My children, a me, 
will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another, Jesus gives them there. Dropping down in chapter 14, a familiar passage. Do not let your hearts be troubled, verse 1. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I am... If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where ego eimi. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And thank you, Thomas, for being honest. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus, like he said in chapter 10, he's the gate. Chapter 6, he's the bread. Chapter 8, he's the light. Here in chapter 14, he says, Ego eimi, the way, the truth, and the life. Thomas, you're looking at the way to the place where I am going. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know the Father. My fa- you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and, we will, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after a me, just the word I in English, have been with you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show me the Father? In chapter 15 begins, ego a me, the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And then he says again, Ego eimi, the vine. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me, as my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. At the end of chapter 16, the disciples are starting to get what he is teaching. They are seeing in the Last Supper that you know things and you see things without hearing them or having to be there. You know our thoughts. You are able to communicate a question from me without me verbalizing it to you. And they say, verse 31, Jesus says, Do you believe? Jesus replied, A time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered, each of you to your own home. You will leave me alone, all alone, yet a me is not alone, for my Father is with me. And then he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. There is so much in his high priestly prayer Um, let's pick it up in verse 6 of chapter 17. This is now Jesus in Gethsemane. This is two people in a prayer meeting, the one praying and the one being prayed to. He says to his father, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You have given them to me. They have obeyed your word. So obedience, again, is the starting place. Repentance. Verse 7. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. 
For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, he's speaking to his Father, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. And then again, just I there is a me. A me will remain in the world no longer but they are still in the world. Drop down to verse 13. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have a full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than Ego a me, then I am, Almighty God, because they are now citizens of heaven. Verse 15, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as ego a me is not of it. And then he prays that the Father would sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. Drop down to verse 24, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where ego a me and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you have loved me before the creation of the world. Chapter 18, he is on trial now. He's arrested and we see the authority of this ego a me out of his mouth. We can pick it up in verse 4 knowing all that was going to happen to him, Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, who is it you want? So this crowd of disciples has followed Jesus to Gethsemane, and this crowd of soldiers approaches, and Jesus makes his way through the crowd and walks up to those who are armed, and he says, who is it that you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. And he says, ego a me, Jesus said. And Judas the traitor was standing there with them. When Jesus said, ego a me, they drew back and fell to the ground. So even his enemies, when this term comes out, the word of God does come, not come back void. One of the purposes of the word of God here is that these soldiers hit the ground. And what makes them hit the ground is him saying, ego a me, I am. And when he says that, these Roman soldiers and these Jewish religious people watch them fall to the ground. Jesus said, I am he, or ego a me. They drew back and fell to the ground. Again he asked them, who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they said, and now he's the protector. Jesus answered, I told you that, ego a me. If you are looking for me, then let these men go. This fulfills an Old Testament prophecy. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those that you have given me. Later in chapter 18, verse 36, this is where Pilate, I believe, understands more than Thomas understood, more possibly in some ways than John understood. Verse 36, Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. So when he says things like this to the Jews, they're like, what are you talking about? You're from Nazareth. You're, what good comes from there? You're just Mary and Joseph the carpenter's son. What are you talking about? So now he's in front of a Roman governor who could just pull out a sword and kill him right there. And he says, my kingdom is not from this world. And Pilate has a different response than the Jews. You are a king then, said Pilate. Verse 37, Jesus answered, you say... 
that ego, a me, a king. So in the progression here, Jesus has told Caiaphas in Mark chapter 14, verse 61 or 62, ego, a me, I am the mighty one. I sit at the right hand of the Father. I come in the clouds of heaven. I am the Messiah, the King of kings. They go to Pilate and they repeat that to him. And they say, if that's true, then he's over you and he's over Caesar. What are you going to do about it? So Pilate says to Jesus, after Jesus says, my kingdom is from another world. He's contemplating what he was just told and he's listening to this person. He's already had multiple times where he's tried to free him. Jesus says, my kingdom is from another world. And Pilate says, you are a king. And he says, you have said, ego a me. Not just a king. You have said, I am. You said that, Pilate. And the, the Greek to English here, Jesus stating what we read in English, what he's actually saying is, you are correct. Ego, a me. Then he says, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And then he goes back out at the end of verse 38. I find no basis for a charge against him. Pilate is telling us he is ego eimi. I'm not putting him to death. I'm not going to be guilty of that. In chapter 19 and verse 19, Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read the sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests and the Jews protested to Pilate, do, do not write the King of the Jews, but this is difficult to translate into English, but it says, but that this man claimed to be Ami, king of the Jews. So what, what is insinuated by what Pilate writes is this is the king of all kings. Ego emi king. Not just somebody over these fumbling Jews, but this is the king of kings. This is the melik in Hebrew. Um, Turn in your Bibles quickly to Revelation 1, as John is writing now about 10 years after the Gospel of John. And I'm sure, like me, you will find more and more of these in Scripture. But now John is writing for the last time, and... He is exalting Jesus even more after a very difficult life. We will just read some important verses. Verse 8. Ego eimi, the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So all of those names being drawn into Christ and he begins with ego eimi. So ego eimi is I am. So am is a title and I am these things. I am the Alpha. I am the first. I am the last. I am the Lord God. He calls himself here, Kyrios, Theos. And I am Almighty, El Shaddai of the Old Testament. Um, drop down to verse 17. When I saw him, John says, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, and this would have been familiar, we just read the Gospel of John, do not be afraid, ego eimi, the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and look, look, I am alive forever and ever and I hold the keys to death and Hades. Drop down to chapter 2. And verse 23, as he's writing to Thyatira, 
and he's talking about these followers of Jezebel, which would be followers of false religions today. Verse 23, I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that ego eimi is he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to what you have done. Turn to the end of the book of Revelation. The last time we see this title in the Bible is the last time that Jesus speaks to John. In verse 16, John says, or Jesus says to John, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. Ego eimi, the root of the offspring of David and the bright morning star. So Paul would build on that, that he is the offspring of David and the morning star. Verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. We read about that in John 7, 38 and 39. Verse 18, here's a warning. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. How can I know if the Holy Spirit is instructing me to do something? I'll find it in God's word. Verse 19. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, and in that statement is, is most religion today. The largest Christian religions in the United States would all be lumped together that they don't believe anything here is literal and that we shouldn't pay attention to Revelation well, he says here, anyone takes the words away from the scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life, which is in heaven, and in the holy city, which are described in this scroll. And then Jesus' last words, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amy? No. He's not coming soon. In other words, that's not who he is, hello, coming soon. So you see the difference. We'll just make that grammatical difference. He's not saying, I am the bread of life, is not the same as saying, I'm coming soon. So he is simply saying a statement that he is coming soon. And John responds in prayer, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Heavenly Father, help us to not be Greek scholars, but to realize when we read your word um, how authoritative, how intentional the writers wrote what Jesus said and did, and how authority and power and deity um, and sovereignty how valuable those things are to him if we acknowledge him that way. In Jesus' name, amen.